welcome to Once Upon a Time in Nibor. Hello and welcome everybody to the first edition of Once Upon a Time in Nibor by the two film dudes. I'm Gustavs. And I'm Ali. And every three weeks, we will pick a movie to dissect, analyze, rip, and tear apart completely. For each movie, each of us will come up with a bunch of different questions and topics about the movie that we will discuss that we will discuss with each other, and at the end of the episode, rate the movie on a scale from 1 to 35 in honor of the 35mm film stock. We are two students based in Nubor Denmark, and we have named the podcast in honor of Quentin Tarantino's latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Both of us absolutely love movies and are huge cinema geeks, so we are really, really happy to be here ranting about movies and have you guys listening to us. For the debut of the podcast, we have chosen an absolute cult classic, the 1999 David Fincher IKEA commercial featuring an imaginary Brad Pitt, Fight Club. This movie was David Fincher's fourth feature, starring Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, and Helena Bonham Carter. This is right after his thriller, The Game. The movie is based off of the 1996 novel of the same title by Chuck Palahniuk. The movie received mixed reviews when it came out and was a box office failure, which is pretty ironic. But afterwards, it emerged as a cult movie with a huge following the way we know it today. So, let's just jump right into it. Gustav, when was the first time you saw this movie? I don't remember the time exactly. I think it was around four years ago, just as I started to seriously get into good movies and watching them. And uh, I remember the first time I watched it, I was definitely not ready for it. I was, I think, too young and just overall not prepared enough to understand it or love it completely. But I did love it back then. And uh yeah, I was completely blown away by all of it, especially the ending, of course. I was not expecting it at all. What about you, though? Uh, I watched it very, very early. I think I was like seven or eight when That's I watched insane. it. And, oh, yeah. it it As an eight-year-old, you don't really think about these things. And, <laughs> you know... Yeah, you don't really think about, oh, yeah, drudgery, consumerism. Oh, that's lovely. No, you think of, like, Ben 10 and superheroes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that underground boxing clubs are the most, uh, like, most uh, most relevant thing for eight-year-olds. Honestly, looking back, it was probably, like, one of the, like, craziest films I've ever watched. Like, uh, you've seen The Sixth Sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like between those two, those were probably like the ones that scarred me as a child the most. Quite a twisted childhood. Yeah. Every the only like crazy things my dad showed me when I was little were just like action movies, but they weren't usually twisted. Like it was just violence. I was like, okay, people getting killed, okay, but not not any of these twisted uh, philosophical psychological movies. I, I'm the same with my dad. You know, my dad and my mom, they kept showing me 80s action comedy movies, uh, Bad Boys, uh, Face <laughs> yeah, Off. Yeah. And then yeah. there's this, you know, this mind-boggling psychological drama about a man who, who's fighting his own reflection, you know? It's... Is he even a man? Like, can you even tell? I don't know. Yeah. No, but so I rewatched the movie for the second time yesterday, obviously, to prepare 
to prepare for the pod. And, uh, well, it was a completely different experience, especially just because of the fact that I knew what was about to happen. Like, I knew from the very beginning that, you know, they are the same person. And it completely, I don't want to say ruined, but it just, it just gives you a completely different experience. And I think it's overall better in the sense that you can focus on really, really getting into the meaning of the movie much deeper. You don't focus on the story as much as you focus on the meaning, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you on that. You know, watching it again, like, I, 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 yeah, there is no really other way to say, like, either it just kind of ruined, you know, the, the, the story. Uh, not, well, not ruined entirely, but, you know, you lose, like, that sense of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you, I mean, you know the plot plot twist you know that it's there plus you just notice but it's nice because you start noticing the little details like you notice the uh the frames of uh brad pitt's character popping up popping up and oh i love that yeah i I didn't notice that the first time i watched it i probably just thought i was going mad or something (laughs) and it's also all of the little details they have the same suitcase um when like Tyler sp- uh, answers for him as the narrator says, uh, although they're obviously the same person, or just you know these little details that you notice and you actually understand that it's so clear from the very beginning that yeah. they are the same person. It was in front of our eyes the whole time. And then there are these scenes in the movie, like they're like uh, that scene uh, of the car accident uh, where yeah. Brad Pitt's driving and. Uh, Edward Norton's in the passenger seat. You really think... And then they switch. Yeah. You really think about that scene. Like, how does this look from the perspective of the people in the back seat, you know? Now, and you know what's the interesting part? The the uh, the car flips over, but then Brad Pitt uh, gets out from the same side as he was driving in. So they switched seats because it was actually Edward Norton driving. Yeah, that's... It's really interesting. It's trippy. It's trippy. Anyway, to sort of get the discussion going, I'm going to I'm going to start you off with a pretty interesting one cuz I've been like I've been spending the last day reading up on the movie and just like getting through a bunch of different theories cuz I love it when a movie sparks theories. I think it's a good movie. Exactly. And I I absolutely loved reading a few of these theories. It's so interesting. It's also nice to compare them to your own opinion. I mean, some of them are super deep and I would never get into it that deep. And I think it's at times it goes too far. But anyway, it's really interesting. So I want to know what you think about uh, just fully, deeply, symbolically uh, about Marla Singer. I think her character Ooh. is really, really interesting. And uh, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think happens there? What do you think she is? Why is she there? What does she do? Like, get to the bottom of her. From your perspective, I think uh, in the beginning, I think she's there to challenge the hypocrisy of Edward Norton's character, our nameless narrator, because he's. Let's call uh, him Jack. Let's call him Jack. 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 Jack, Yeah, I think you know, because he keeps going on about the Jack thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, she's obviously there to challenge Jack's hypocrisy. You know, he is obviously a faker in these support groups. You know, he doesn't have testicular cancer, not tuberculosis, not dying. But he goes to these meetings so he can, you know, cathartically release, you know, which, you know, yeah. and then this catharsisism usually ends up to like the underground fight club. But I think in the beginning, what she does is she challenges him because 
throughout his life, all he's done is consume, consume, consume. No problem. Throughout his life, it's gotten easier and easier. And then someone comes and twists, twit, sort of twists the the easiness of uh, his catharsism, you know? Uh, uh, you know, she's also a faker. She's there for the same reason he is, I, I believe. I think she mentioned that, no? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he doesn't want to share that with anyone else. And, you know, throughout the story, uh, you know, she she becomes uh, sort of a, a, I don't want to say side character, but she becomes less and less important until, you know, that one, that one scene where uh, she comes over to the house and, and gets frisky with uh, <laughs> Trevor, a.k.a. Jack. Tyler, 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 Tyler. Damn it. But, uh, you know, he starts, he starts getting upset, you know? He thought he escaped Marla. He thought he escaped, you know, the, the per you know, he thought he escaped the hypocrisy, the, the person challenging his views. But there she is again and again in his life, calling him over to check for lumps. Wink, wink. And that's, that's so interesting because, I mean, we already know that they are the same character. So I guess, I mean, Jack hates her, but Tyler, I don't want to say loves her, but... It, she has this kind of special, special, special place there. So, I mean, I want to, I want to, first, I want to tell you what I think, uh, what I first thought of Marla Singer now that I rewatched the movie, what was her place? I thought that, I thought that she was sort of the only uh, human in the movie. Like, actually, although she's so messed up in so many ways, but I think that's the human part about her. Because obviously Jack's character is also really messed up because he has, I mean, this disorder uh, about split identities. But uh, I think that his disorder has gotten him so far that he isn't human anymore. He's too messed up. While Marla is sort of symbolizes like an actual human that with, uh, with misperfections and imperfections and it's just sort of a human character that's there to remind uh, Jack or Tyler what what life's all about I guess even though Tyler quote-unquote knows it so well that's what I thought in the beginning that Marla's there to uh, just evoke emotions and be human but a really interesting theory I read was that Marla is the third identity she she also doesn't exist and what? it was so interesting because there's so much evidence of this there is so, so much evidence of this. Like, it's, it all starts off with the laundromat that they meet at in the beginning where Marla steals these uh, clothes. And what she steals are, like, male pants from the laundromat. And that is supposed to... I mean, I'm not saying I fully believe in the theory. I'm just saying that it's interesting to look at. Uh, that she steals these male pants. as a, That's also sort of uh, Jack stealing, like, selling his masculinity and turning into Marla. And there's a bunch more evidence I'm not going to get into uh, into detail with, uh, but there is a lot of evidence that Marla is also just the third identity of uh, of Jack, and that's how that's sort of his uh, weak masculinity. Like Tyler is the embodiment of masculinity, while Marla is a woman. So Jack is just sort of in between. He's sort of nothing, you know. And I wanna I wanna hear what you think about that. Like, I'm. I like how like deep people have gotten into this movie, like dissecting it's it and crazy. looking at it from. It's crazy. It's crazy. People love this movie. It's so nice. But I I don't necessarily agree with that idea. 
uh, I mean, yeah, we can quote evidence back and forth, but, you know, I don't think that uh, femininity, femininity and masculinity are sort of the issue here. Well, obviously, Brad Pitt is, like, the embodiment of testosterone. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I, Marla isn't exactly what you would call feminine. She's, I feel like she's what you call, uh, it's like she knows who she is and she doesn't try changing it. Like, she's fine with who she is. Like, her, like, she's, she's, per, she's comfort, she's uh, comfortable with her identity. But she, but, uh, and that's why I don't think that, like, you know, she's exactly, uh, the third personality of Jack. Because Jack, you know, obviously, he can't tell who he is, obviously, you know, with... Uh, Trevor being another, yeah. you know, part of him, you know? I feel like, you know, Marla's so confident in who she is. Like, she walked into a testicular cancer support group. How many balls do you have to have to do that? And I say balls ironically. And I mean, that's the thing. That was another evidence that she actually has them because she is Jack, you know? Um, so it's just fun. I think it's a really fun theory. And uh, it's sort of interesting because um, what what it sort of builds off of is um, a, a yet another theory that I actually do believe in. And then I sort of I didn't really I don't want to say thought of, but I did thought of subconsciously. I was sort of on the verge of believing it while I was watching the movie, uh, The Project Mayhem. Uh, yeah. That's all fake. That's that's what I sort of that's what I thought of while watching the movie. Really? Uh, yeah, I thought of that. I think, like, why wouldn't it be? Because maybe, maybe, sure, maybe, maybe the fight club, like, how did it even begin if he was just punching himself, you know, in the very beginning? How did he get followers from that? Just of sort of like going actually logically thinking here, because which is not that fun at times, but. How how do you get followers by punching yourself in the middle of a parking lot? Well, I want to say this. This movie was released nineteen ninety nine, correct? Yeah. And what city are we in again? I have no clue. Regardless, this yeah. is American the nineties. All right. Yes. Yes. Uh, American the nineties. There was a huge coke epidemic and war on drugs at the like eighties nineties time. If my history. So you is just right. think. So you just think they were like on drugs. No, no, no. I think that when you know when Jack was punching himself in the parking lot, they just thought he was high and let's go see what he's doing. And then he explains to them that he and his friend are just punching each other. You know, uh, you know, okay. just releasing each other, just punching each other, just letting it all out. Then these guys kind of look at each other all weirdly, like, this guy's crazy, but, you know, sounds like a good idea. And I feel like, you know, <laughs> okay, more people sure. come to join, and then more people fight each other. And then, you know, as that continues on, more and more, more and more, they move into the basement. I don't know. I, I just can't see that Project Mayhem thing not being real. Uh, do you get my point, though? I do. The thing, But it's so easy to uh, be from your perspective and seeing it as a very real true thing while also at the same time i mean it's complete mayhem of like it could be completely fake another interesting which is actually the second point on my notes right here that i have up is names the importance of names in the movie so we don't the only other like real relevant name that we get is bob and the bob's character 
And uh, during the Project Mayhem, we don't get any other names because they're not important, right? And um, when Bob dies, uh, all of the, all of the what, what do you call them? I guess they're slaves or space workers monkeys. or whatever. Space monkeys. Uh, space monkeys. Sure. Uh, uh, they're space monkeys. They say that they don't like speak of names when Bob is dead. Because uh, Jack starts going on about, oh, he was my friend. His name is Robert Paulson. And then two of the space monkeys, they go like, yeah, we should. When he dies, we should, you know, start cheering his name. And they all go, his name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. And I found that really interesting because that's what I thought that these, these space monkeys that Jack has thought of, if we believe this theory... Uh, that they are so irrelevant that they don't have names and that's why they also saying that they don't care about names because they don't have them because they are well Tyler in his head uh, has or he is Tyler or whatever how do you want to believe it um, has a name because he's the important side identity but all these other ones they don't have names because they're just there to be slaves and sort of unleash this project mayhem which could exist or could not exist that's up to you I really like how deep you're going into this and thinking about this. And it's so, like, I have to say, from how I look at the movie and from how you look at it, you, like, probably take, like, most of the brain power when thinking about this. No, I mean, I didn't think of all of this just by myself. I did read, like, a bit. But it's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just building up on it right now from sort of my own perspective. And I'm, I'm finding it really not also, not only interesting, but also really fun to think of it this way. I feel like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, is like, it's harder to look at it from the perspective you're seeing it than it's, and it's much easier to look at it from where I'm looking at. But I feel like that the Project Mayhem characters, and this is like a, a topic I really like to get into when talking about this movie, is I feel like they are tool, they are uh, a means to an end, you know? They are tools in his crusade, yeah, you can say. Okay, I like I like that. I like yeah. that. Uh, you know, tools don't have names. You don't name your tools. They they are they are there to break the system, the system that has uh, uh, depowered them, the system that has made them feel weak, the system that has forced us to live in a to live in a if a rational society in which we consume, consume, consume until the things that that we own start to own us. And I and I feel like you know. Uh, you know, they're so like, you know, oh, I have this and this and this and that, you know, everything starts to become so, you know, normal, you start to have no identity, your identity is what you own. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think so too. And that was actually another thing I want to touch on, touch on when talking about names, because like what I said now that basically only four characters have names and God knows how many of them are actually real. And you know what has names in the movie? Items. Ikea furniture, those things have names. Exactly. And that's, I thought, I thought, I don't know if that was uh, a conscious decision, but it, it sort of, I liked how, how, how it worked out when in, in the end that every item, like all of the items have names, like the talk about Calvin Klein and Gucci and everything and Ikea and all those things have names, but the people don't have names. And that's also sort of even more, even more symbolical towards the capitalism, how those things, those things' names are way more important than our peers' names. Exactly. And that's how, you know, this movie is all about consumerism and, 
you know, and the hypocrisy. No, no, I, that's the main, of course, that's the main point. Yeah. Yes. It's about consumerism or the drudgery of consumer pa- capitalism. Everything is single use, you know, like you buy this couch. It's a single use couch. What, what are you going to do with the couch? You have the couch. Yeah, you ha- yeah, and of course, the, of course, the single use friends, single use friends, uh, the single use uh, everything, you know, the, the, the life of a consumer is, you know, uh, uh, is not like a hunter or gatherer, uh, you know, it's completely irrational yeah. to human survival. It's there for our comfort. We don't need it. And this is the point I think Project Mayhem is trying to say that. You know, yeah. these things have uh, these this consumerism has held us back in society. You know, it has forced us to live this, uh, you know, meaningless life of uh, consume, consume, consume. You know, no longer do we have our identities and our, our names and our personalities. All we have, all that we have as individuals are what we own. You know, like uh, I'll give you an example, like in real life now, you know, you see someone Gucci bag, uh, Calvin Klein underwear, uh Sephora bag. What do you what do you think of them? You think high prestige, high class, good you know good yeah. pe- person. You think you think good things. You think good exactly. Things of them. And then you know you could see like me walking around in my slightly cut jeans and off brand shirts and shoes. <laughs> uh, you you think oh he's he's cheap. He doesn't know how to do anything. He's terrible. You know which is inaccurate. I mean that that. Mu- that might not be the first thought, but it might be for some yeah. people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's an accurate assessment of me. It's still, not, you know, not me. You know, what what I yeah. am is not what I own. You know, I, you are more than no, what course. you own. And I feel like, you know, this movie is try- the, the, the Project Mayhem is trying to prove that to the world, destroying the, the companies that are... Uh, are the, was it the credit card companies? Yeah, it was the credit yeah, card companies. Yeah, yeah, the credit card. That hold all our debts to society and, you know, force us to keep on this cycle of work, consume, repeat, work, consume, repeat. It's, and what I actually find really interesting about Project Mayhem is the hypocrisy in it. To, is that uh, Project Mayhem, it starts off, right? One one uh one member, right? And then there's like this whole scene in the bathroom where he's shaving his head and like Tyler's giving a speech, calling him a space monkey, which I I, I still love that expression, by the way. Do you know where like where where it's from? I have no clue. Like, you know, uh the you know, like sending a monkey into space, you know, you train the monkey to oh, do this, yeah, yeah, train the monkey to do that. Oh yeah, and that's, it's their first space monkey. That makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Okay. He calls him space monkey, right? Uh, and then you know they continue to yeah. get more and more members, and you can see the camera as well. It starts to it starts to show the like it doesn't show like the individuals of Project Mayhem's. It shows them as a collective, you know, a large gathering of them, you know, like you don't get like this individual like you know sense of the person uh, in Project Mayhem. You just get the sense of Project Mayhem. And, you know, they don't get names. They don't get uh, identities, you know. All they are is just, you know, uh, w- tools, you know, in uh, this. And I feel like that's sort of, like, similar to society because what society has done now is uh, removed our identities and replaced them with, you know, consumerism. It's replaced with what we own and what we uh, just... Uh, yeah, and I feel like I'm going to start going on a rant, so I'm going to let you bring up the next point. <laughs> no, no, but I kind of, I still want to touch touch on this. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, it is right, but, and then again, what, I mean, it's not like we should 
completely give up this consumerism and uh, go back to communism or something. No, 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 no. Of no, course no. not. And I just want to, I just want to point out the fact that you know we, what we need is just sort of to focus more on human connection, which right now is more relevant than ever with Corona, and. Um, while we live in this capitalist consumerism world, which isn't going away anywhere, any anywhere, anytime soon, obviously, because we're way too used to it, we just need to. That doesn't change the fact that we should bring back uh, human connection and uh, just be. I don't. I don't want to say be more social because that just sounds so plain and vague, but care about people actually and care about human values, you know, and um, th- we I need think to that's be more human. Yeah, that's the important part. I think and that was also that's what that's what I was talking about in the beginning with the Marla Singer character, how I thought that she was she was there to sort of be this quote unquote be more human and to make uh, get Jack or Tyler or however you want to look at it be more human. Cuz I think that that's the that's the main I'm sorry, that's the main uh uh morale of the movie just be more human. Consumerism isn't going anywhere. You know, I think I got a little bit of evidence to back up your Marla thing. Mar- As we see throughout the movie, uh, Marla doesn't have many things, you know? She doesn't own a lot. Her apartment is crappy. Her clothes are always torn out and worn, you know? Like, she, yeah. she, you know, yes, she's a consumer, of course, but she cares more about being human than owning things. Unlike Jack, our, 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 our narrator, who... Who's who's trying to complete his life little by little with an IKEA catalog, you know? That's true. That's true. Oh, you want to know? Can I tell you I something? Mean, I I was watching this interview with David Fincher, and you know what he said? Okay. He put what? a Starbucks cup in every scene of the movie. I don't. Oh wow. Okay, actually. Wait, was it, it? I think it was almost every scene. I mean, it can like, because there's like a scenes. few face close-ups, but I think it would yeah. be like in every set, you know? Yeah, every set, he, I think they put a like. Uh, I noticed a couple when I when I watched the interview. I watched it before I started to rewatch the movie. Oh. I noticed like in his destroyed household, there's yeah. a coffee cup. In the support group, coffee cup. The oh, house, that's great. coffee coffee cup. I thought it was really interesting, and I like I like it because it also like the, it as well. Con- to continue talking about consumerism, it continues to underline the fact consumerism has taken over uh, human society. You know, it's overtaken us. You know, it's everywhere now, and I think like you know Starbucks is the perfect example of that. You know, you know big name, uh, kind of very expensive in Denmark uh, coffee that it's super expensive man and it is. uh it, like big big name coffee brand you know everyone knows it oh, a lot of people like it i'm i'm not a big fan but you know it, it's no, no still, i mean it's, it is it, if, if if the movie was made now it would be apple obviously uh exactly I mean, apple, well, not iPhone. obviously but probably let's be honest and uh, but yeah, at the time, I guess Starbucks was the easiest way to 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 put it in simply. And while we're ta- while we're touching on David Fincher, I think another thing I know Fincher uh, has said. I watched an interview also like a, a a time ago when I was really starting to get into Fincher, was that he said that uh, the main sort of purpose, not purpose, but every human 
is just uh, a really sexual being. And I think we see that in the movie also, uh, how Fincher has um, put it in, obviously, with, again, the Marlo Singer character. Because I think that it's clear to see that Fincher thinks that sexuality is uh, also an important part of humanity. And, uh, I mean, Fincher thinks sexuality is the most human thing. So he, it's there for a reason, I think. And it's also really interesting. I don't know how to feel about that because I think I can agree with it. But at the same time, I'm not too sure. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't agree with it fully. But it's just an interesting opinion. It's a very interesting opinion. I mean, I can... I think he said it in a pre, like a worse way, though. I think he said humans are perverted. Or, well, but it was the main point. The main point was the same. Hmm. Humans are perverse creatures, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. If we go into the uh, rational thinking of, of, you know, the, you know, sex and all that, uh, ideally, you want to have more and more. And, you know, you can kind of relate that back to consumerism, if you think about it. But... I mean, that's true. It's, that's an interesting way to put yeah. it. Because, you know, obviously with sex, you know, the... I'm not going to touch on this too much. Not trying to make this a sex podcast. But <laughs> but uh, with sex, uh, the intent is to do it again and again, you know, to feel satisfied, to feel, you know, relieved, and then do it again and again, you know, this brief... So sex is also consumerism. It, it has the same... It has the same... It has the same logic. To same logic. I, I would say, yeah. I would kind of say, yeah, you know, you want more, you want more, you want, I hate to say this, but better. You want better. You want yeah. not. Just like with your phone and your Starbucks. Exactly. You want a faster phone. You want a bigger phone. You want, uh, you want, you want it. You don't need these things. These are things that you crave. You know, they won't define you. Who you, You're not going to be known as uh, the, the guy who did blank, you know. You're going to be you're going to be known as you, you know, it's of course. And that's but that's that, uh, that's our that's the goal. You know, you you want to be known as you, not somebody else, because that's just not you anymore. And I guess that's not really the main goal of it in the end. You know, saying that point got me to thinking. Maybe that's why Tyler manifested when he did. What do you mean? You see, you see, what uh, what you said now, correct me if I misquote you, uh, you don't want to be defined by someone else. You want to be your own person. Of course. Tyler is defined by Jack, you know? He isn't okay. Tyler. He's Jack for the majority. He's... He's in, you know, he, he controls Jack, he does that. Maybe that's why Tyler manifests as a different person. He is trying to be someone else entirely. He doesn't want to be Jack's, you know, sleep demon or something. I mean, no, I totally agree with you, just on a different sort of level, just from a different perspective. I just see it, obviously, because Jack is this sort of really troubled person that's kind of sucky at everything, not really anywhere in life. And Tyler is just his other identity that un Jack can unleash himself and get himself free. And Jack obviously blows up his own apartment and does all of these things by himself. And you are right. Tyler wants to free himself from Jack. But I wouldn't put it that way. I would just put it as Jack trying to free himself from himself. You know, I can... But I guess that's the same thing, because Jack is Tyler, you know? Yeah, I can see your point, though. I can see where you're going with this, and I think, yeah, I can, I can agree with that point. 
Okay, uh, I think it's nice that we touched on what Fincher has said, but let's let's start talking about what Fincher has done uh, behind the camera. And yes, please. I think it's an absolute. It's 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 a great movie. I think in the terms of the spectacle of it, I think uh, I obviously love how Fincher obviously how what he loves so much to use are these occasional cgi heavy scenes yeah <laughs> just sometimes just over the top oh over the top weird or there was the one sex scene that was super weird and just these you feel like cgi when you're flying through a building scenes oh yeah and in the beginning because i i think he uses them also to sort of also emphasize because they, they don't look realistic and i don't think fincher fincher wants them to look realistic i think he uses them to even put more emphasis on the fact that it's all fake you know or i i might just be wrong it might just be 90s cgi no because <laughs> i have no cinema clue. is based on the structure of disavowal disavowal being i know but you know what you're watching yeah, you know what you're true. watching is obviously fiction it's fiction yeah. but you still maintain the belief that this is real this is a story this is That's life, true. you know. That all, all every spectator, every audience member knows this going into a movie, but they still invest themselves. But we, we want, we want it to be yes. real because humans like to believe. That's why we like exactly. religion, or at least some <laughs> of us do. But that we humans like believing in things. Humans are irrational beings. They like faith. Yeah. Putting putting your faith into something else. Yeah, putting your faith into a character or a movie. For this particular someone uh, stronger, mat, someone wiser, a figure of authority, perhaps something like that. Of course, uh, you wanna. You're a consumer. You just bought a movie ticket. You're exactly. just as bad, and you go and you, you go into this movie, and uh, you invest in yourself in it. You wanna be Tyler, you know. You, you wanna bought, free yourself. You bought your store bought popcorn. You brought your yeah. your your store bought uh, slushy. You're and then you look at yourself and you're like, damn, I'm Jack. I'm just a sad human being that bought, just spent so much money on these over, overpriced things. Exactly. And what are they going to do for you in the, in the future? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I know we're going backwards, but I have to make this point. Consumerism is, is, is a, what I like to call a quick fix, you know? Uh, it's, it's, true. it's it's addicting like any other drug or you know any other feeling like you know uh, let's pick let's pick sugar you know let's pick sugar you know of I, course you just live your life through quick fixes exactly you die yeah yeah you know you just oh yeah I oh I need some energy let me just eat like a whole pack of Oreos nom and you know it's just and it's quick, a quick fix yeah it's a quick yeah. fix you want more and more and more and more quicker and quicker and quicker of course and that's why humans. That's why humans don't want humans are like these, you know, they're they know they aren't real, but they want to be real like these sort of make a thousand dollars in five minutes things. You know, it's a quick fix. Nothing works like that, but people want it to be that way because we're impatient, we're lazy. We are such imperfect, troubled beings. That's what makes us human, man. And I think and I think Fincher understands this so well if you look at his movies. I feel like if you, I mean, you just saw seven. Yeah. It's it's sort of it's sort of the same. You see how, how how we are just these super troubled beings, and uh, 
Uh, it's just everywhere yeah. in Fincher's movies. Yeah, Fincher does really touch on the underbelly of humanity, showing us at our worst. And I love that. I know. I, I think he really, he really likes, he does it through completely different genres and movies, but he, he just sort of likes to, likes anthropology. Like he likes getting to know humans and how, how they, how they work or don't work most of the time and how relationships don't work. What most people don't see, though, is that, you know, when you want to focus on humans and, you know, who we are and what we are, you can't just focus on the good. You got to take the good with the mm -hmm. bad. And Fincher has taken that to a whole new level by showing us these, like, dark, twisted themes and people that really show, yeah. like, I don't want to say the worst, but, like, the polar, like, the polar opposites of humanity, you know? That's true. He... He takes these characters, which he often, most of the time, doesn't come up uh, by himself. He takes them from books or uh, some other writer, but he puts them he puts them visually in his movies, and he makes them so. I don't want I, I don't have the right words for it, but just so great and so twisted, so so colorful and in in their own way passionate about their own little messed up world in their brains. This you know? may sound cliche, but what he does is make them human. <laughs> that's true. That's no, but that's nice. But it is he. He really makes them human, too human, maybe even at times because they're like too twisted. And I think it's great. I think Fincher does it so well, and he. I feel like he understands how twisted humans are and just embraces it uses it to his advantage to make these unforgettable characters in his movies and uh i think it's i think it's great i love his movies and i love how he presents these ideas uh through his um he's very interesting and symbolical uh style of directing i i have to agree with that too now i gotta ask you one question about this movie what is okay. your favorite scene in the movie in the movie favorite scene i think i think i really really enjoy the scene overall it, it's not it's not like the most memorable but i just really enjoy it the scene where uh jack is reading the book in a basement about uh these organs from the first person like this the series oh my god same yeah and and uh tyler is just riding around with a bicycle around the basement <laughs> i think I mean, if we don't, if we if we don't want the most important scene, but just my favorite, that must be it. I loved it so. I love it so much. Just Jack reading about like I don't know your colon, and hi, this is your colon, and or whatever. And Tyler's just riding the bicycle around the basement. It's so much fun. I love it. I have to agree. That was actually the exact thing I was gonna say. I love that scene yeah. so much because it I also know. sets us up. It also, you know, it sets up the sort of narrating. For him as well. Mm -hmm. I am Jack's broken heart. Uh, you know, I am. Yeah. I am Jack's colon. I thought it was great. I thought you know. It's great. It's great. You know, the, and the narrating style too is. Uh, I liked. I liked it. You know, like it seems perfect for this story. You know, like a. Uh, you're not talking about the person itself. You're talking about yourself, sort of third person. You know, from an omniscient point of view, kind of, kind of like you know, you're not talking from personality. You're just talking like you know, you're stating what's happening. Not how your feet, like, you know, I am Jack's heart racing a thousand beats per minute, something like that. 
He doesn't say he doesn't say my heart is racing yeah. a thousand beats per minute. I I kind of like that because it kind of you know dis disassociates uh you know the near. I mean the whole movie is about disassociation. Yeah, it kind of dis yeah. That's exactly what I was going for. Yeah, and I think it's great. I love it because it, and it's also fun. It's just fun on the top, most meaningless layer. It's just fun. It's just good, hard fun. Hey, you gotta have the fun in of these course, movies. Of course, it's a fun. Like, they're movie. not entertaining. Fight Club is. They're not entertaining. Is overall such a fun movie, even if you don't like go too deep into it. It's also it's just a fun movie overall. Yeah, and you know, there's like such like funny scenes as well where you can just have a good chuckle. You know, where like you're meant to. It's a movie. It has to be entertaining. Do you remember that one scene where Tyler was like practicing martial arts, kind of? Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like you know making those like I know it's sounds and whatever yeah that yeah. was just it's it's yeah, fun it has to be it's it's also it's a satire it's a satire satire it's ironic all the time and how how Jack always messes with his boss and just does these things it's it's fun it is fun I don't exactly. think and I love that also I don't think I've said WTF more in my entire life than in this movie because you watch it again and you really like what the wait what. I mean, you have, then, to watch te- you have to watch Tenet. You have to watch Tenet. Because that, that just... <laughs> that gets you going. Yeah, you know, I've been trying to see it, man. I, 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 got, I gotta go quickly before the cinema shuts down. Uh, That's true. But, you know, I don't want to be that creepy guy in the theater gawking over the movie alone. Okay, I get that. Yeah, but, none of my friends want to go see it with me, so... That's pretty sad. But if, if, we have to, if I have to go for another scene, then it's obviously the ending scene... It feels so post-apocalyptic, and uh, we know that we don't see it because we see both of the characters from the back, but we know Jack's face is all messed up, and there's like half of it remaining, and everything's blowing up, and the song plays. It just sounds so miserable and so sad. I love it. If you're watching it for the first time, you, you've sort of, the last 20 minutes have been so messed up, and you're trying to swallow everything. And you're just sitting there, everything blowing up, and you're just sitting there going, what the hell did I just witness? And I think that, I mean, the first time experience, it's, it, it can't, you can't have anything like it, and I think it's just so great. I love the ending, too. It's amazing. And I like that, you know, yeah, oh, no, like, you know, you see this, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna say bad guy, but, like, the antagonist, sort of. The antagonist has died. Oh, no. yay! All is saved, and then boom, the buildings collapse slowly. I mean, in, I guess, I guess, overall, it's like a good ending. Kind of. But we know it's yeah. not. But we know it's not because it's still also messed up, and I feel like it's 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 not good or bad. It's just sort of miserable. That's the word. I really. That's the only word that sits sits in my brain when I think of the ending. Very. I want to say lifelike, kind of, you know? I, I get that as well. Like, there are so many words to describe it, and it all depends on, I don't know, your how, how your brain was captured uh, by the movie. But yeah, I think so many words fit, and I think it's it's so personal to each and every uh, person who has seen the movie. How I feel like how deep you go into, like, thinking about the movie and its themes and its plots, I think that's how well you're going to connect with it, and that's how you're going to judge the ending and the movie itself exactly okay i think i think we have i think we have sort of come to 
We haven't come to a conclusion because that would be boring in a no. fight club. There are no conclusions. Uh, we have life keeps we have, spinning. <laughs> we have broken the rule. Uh, uh. <laughs> so we have talked about it, which uh, I think a lot of people would be very disappointed about. But it's time. It's time to to give the number to the movie. Out of thirty-five, how 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 much how much would you give Fight Club? Where does it rank? How how would you justify your ranking? Out of thirty-five, I would rate Fight Club. Hmm. Now this is gonna sound controversial, but I'm gonna rate it thirty-five out of thirty-five. I think. Wow. Uh, yeah. You're giving it the maximum. Listen, I gotta. This movie sparked a lot of things for me. Yes, it may have emotionally scarred me as a child. Yes, it may have disassociated me from humanity. And yes. But I think I think that's why you're giving it 35. Uh, yes, it shows like you know humanity isn't all uh, uh, daisies and frolicking. You know, it's 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 about the dark side. You know, and this movie of turns course. and twists it, and it picks a theme. This theme of consumerism is so relevant whatever year we're going to be in. Like, in the 80s, it was relevant. 60s, you know, maybe, like, towards the 50s and 40s, not so much. But, like, you know, this, like... Now it's yeah. really... And now it's more relevant than exactly. ever. Exactly. Yeah. 20 years in the future. How well do you think we're going to fare in consumerism? Yeah. No, I get that. This movie's always going to be relevant, in my opinion. And it's always going to have some meaning to everyone, no matter what year, what gender, what race, what ethnicity you're, you are. This movie is going to relate to you on some level. And it's just such a good movie. The, the, the action shots, the camera work. Yeah. The, the, and, uh, the acting, the acting is, is superb. Brad Pitt and I Edward know, Norton great. nail this. Nail these characters. It's amazing. Like, you have to play... Like, two people have to play the same character, but they're not the same. Like, that's gotta be... It's that's great. gotta be a mind... That's gotta, like, mess with you a bit when you're, like, trying to prepare for that role. So, of final course. vote for me, I give it a 35 out of 35. What's your writing, Gustav? Well, just being here, uh, uh, you have to know a thing about me that I... Uh, Despite of uh, despite of everything, and in contrast to Ali, I never give movies uh, ten out of ten, <laughs> or in this case, a thirty-five out of thirty. I just don't do that. I don't. Be- I I can't put a ten on a movie or a thirty-five. But I would give it a solid. I would give it a solid thirty-two and a half. And I think it's a great movie overall. I love Fincher. I love Brad Pitt. I think the only Brad the only Brad Pitt's character that I love more. Then uh, Tyler Durden is the one in uh, Snatch where he plays the gypsy. Uh, that's that. In, that's that's such a great character. I just love it a bit bit more. But I still love this character a lot. And uh, yeah, the acting, as I said, is I think so so good. I think I just love the overall mood of the movie. I love what Fincher has done with it. And um, I also just love how everyone how everyone in the movie sort of fits so nicely and it just comes together really well and I really enjoyed it. And, well, that's going to conclude the first pod of the pod, I guess. I think that's the only way to say it. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Let's go for the pod of the pod. Follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to know when the next episode comes out and uh, stay tuned. And, yeah, again, thank you for listening and we'll see you guys later. Peace! Bye.